0: I had to go into a bank, and I was like, okay, do I keep my mask on, or...? yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I get it, man. You'd think, okay, are they going to think I'm a bank robber? I'm walking into a bank, masked. Yeah. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And today we're going to look back a little bit at 2020, but but not 2020 as a whole, uh, as it applied to the entire world, because that would just be a really depressing podcast. We're no. talking Fortress 20. Fortress so 20.
2: Even worse. Yeah.
1: Which no, had wonderful arguably good
2: that started very strong with a new release. I think we're all getting a great deal of enjoyment.
1: Yeah. Dwarf Fortune, or Dwarf Fortune Virgin. <clears throat> Dwarf Fortress version 47.01, which was the first release in the 47 series, happened on January 29th, and one month day-wise later, on February 29th, the current version 4704 was released. So a flurry of releases there in a one-month period in February of 2020
2: and i think there's some bugs or some isn't there like a bug release or something Didn't he say that didn't we just see that there's talk of some kind of a an update that might do that might be like a bug release oh update that separates that. some of this maybe did i hear that but hmm? there was like that. some bugs that were maybe this was part of this 2021 yeah so i don't know because um, i'm curious because i swear at one point i remembered the idea of necromancers coming to the tavern and hanging out was supposedly a bug, but it seems so entrenched in how the game works now that I, I wonder, is it a bug or did I hear that? wrong?
1: You know, like I guess that is going to have to define to, to to depend on how you're defining bug. He did say that that was an unintended, unintended thing to happen. Uh, he said that on, I think it was his interview with Blind. But uh, um, yeah, he, he definitely said that uh, that he didn't mean for that to happen.
2: Well, it certainly has an impact, doesn't it? If anybody else has noticed, holy buckets. (laughs) Definitely.
1: Yeah. So Um, if you get a necromancer, what you need to do is burn all your your riding materials. And stop (laughs) raiding outside fortresses. And your stone.
2: Stop. Stop with the stone as well. Because you can, I think you, there, I think I saw that on Reddit. Somebody had a necromancer stone that basically, yeah, that there was a stone.
1: That the secrets of life and death were written on.
2: Yeah, so that sort of makes it harder, doesn't it? Kind of hilarious.
0: Have you seen? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm um, retaliating a bit uh, from the uh, discussion, but have you seen the screenshots that were posted uh, in the last report? The yes,
1: you talk about the the one that came from from kit fox or the one that came from bay 12 games because 12
0: because i haven't really sat down and looked at it but oh my god it it tells you your population it tells you your idlers but it goes beyond that it tells you how many dwarves are feeling happy like what it's gonna be kind of neat huh i mean that that info screen's pretty cool fun It's amazing, and it tells you how much food stuff and drink stuff you have, so you don't have to press Z every, like, 15 minutes. I hope that some of the keybinds are still
2: there because I still Mm -hmm. find that I'll rely pretty heavily on them just because that's how I've learned. But I think he said he's going to keep all the keybinds. So even though it'll have, like, this nice graphic overlay, I can still do my old-school keybinding stuff. Nice.
1: Whenever we come back in January, I think we're going to have blind on, maybe even for the first episode. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing his take on it because, you know, that, that screen that has all the, the filtering on it? Yep. The bars are big, bold red and big, bold green, which is tough if you've got red, green color blindness.
2: Oh, yes. The the lack of um, colorblind options. Because how does it work right now? You can set your own color palette now in the, any files, can't you? Surely you'll.
1: I didn't know that you could do that currently.
2: Yeah, I think you can. I think in the Lazy Noob, there's a section where you can adjust the color palette. Choose what you like. I haven't noticed that it makes a huge difference, but I'm also not trying to do anything with it.
1: Yep. Hopefully, there's. Uh, I mean, it's not a. I wouldn't think that it's a, exactly a highly accessible game uh, as it is. But trying to I was trying to remember if it was someone did a video on either trying to play just a roguelike with a screen reader or playing Dwarf Fortress with a screen reader.
2: One half, one half, one fourth, semicolon, semicolon, period, <laughs> period, 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 zero, zero. <laughs> yeah, that would just suck, couldn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, it would. it would. You know, it probably had to have been a uh, uh, something like rogue or or net hack or something like that. Um,
2: people play it over SSH. I've seen that, where it's trying to draw the screen over SSH.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my confusion is trying to think of how that would work because it's a, uh, even though it has a, a kind of a ASCII looking interface, it's not really ASCII. It's like a, I think the SDL library or something like that.
2: Yeah, it's drawn. It's drawn. So, it's just painting with ASCII characters. That's all.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering how you would do that straight terminal.
2: I have no idea, and it is also one of those things I just don't even want to find out about because I think it sounds like it'll be awful.
1: I think that originally it was it was done with curses, which is uh roland if if you didn't know curses is a a text user interface library on I think it was on started off on unix machines uh-huh. and it was so that you could make full screen displays like you would see in the nineteen eighties in a library at a terminal the dream.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> Nothing but fun ahead of us. So, when do we th- what are we thinking? what's our do we have our our um Super Bowl pool for when the new release, the art release is coming out?
1: Oh, yeah. Release.
2: What do you guys think? The new the new release before the big wait. Are we still doing the big wait or did that kind of get
0: No, no, we we are doing we we are gonna do this afterwards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The big weight, I think, is gonna happen. I think there's gonna be like an army update or something like that. Uh after or or an update of some sort before the big weight, but after the Steam release, to finish up some of the things that he wanted to get done for the Village release, but didn't
2: yeah, because I had kind of when I was listening to how they were talking about it, I was kind of thinking more like instead of there being this big weight, it's gonna be more like a a bunch of smaller weights and so that dev's not going to be in these big huge fits and starts it's going to be more of like well we're fixing this and adding this and fix i don't know maybe that's
1: well that's something what you're going to have happen before the big weight but i if i am not mistaken even recently he had said that when the big weight comes when they're so the big weight is the for the myth and magic update and I heard there's going to be some extensive rewriting of some of the base code that's going to need to happen in order to implement that. Mm-hmm. And that's what was going to cause the big weight. So Probably. I don't know that the big weight is going to be able to be avoided. If they are ever going to have the, I'm flying air quotes here, 1.0 release, you know, Mm-mm. I'll be interested really to see, a, you know, it's, it's really not that important, but the versioning. I thought so. that it
2: all referred to the percentage complete that he thought it, he was
1: it does now but uh but i don't know that uh that steam will be cool with having uh alpha oh, yeah. version point. yeah Four that's right nine. steam's gonna drive
2: this isn't it? steam's <laughs> gonna start driving a lot of this stuff huh
1: uh you know i don't know what content was if that's the case but they'll I'm, they'll probably be doing the version number they'll probably have to take out that this is an alpha version therefore it will crash a lot whenever you first create a world
2: yes exactly well, it'll it'll be fun to watch how it steamifies and see if if I mean, on one hand, like I'm glad that it now offers a framework and probably will draw in more people, which I think is cool. The downside is, you know, I wonder if it means that he's going to have to adapt and change to this new kind of more traditional software development thing. Although I don't know that Steam necessarily cares. Well.
1: No, I don't think so either. I, I mean, look at games like Caves of Cud and. The Binding of Isaac and and all these other indie games that they still, you know, Steam isn't driving them. Steam is just the publishing platform for them. Caves of cut.
2: I haven't played that much this week, to be honest. I haven't really. I haven't done much with my forts because I think I got a little discouraged when my supposedly successful attempt at my crazy insane world like i don't want to give up on it because i feel like there's some way to make this work this crazy planet that i've generated a crazy dwarf world that i've generated like i just want to have some foothold into this world where change can come surely some wonderful dwarf is going to be able to make a (laughs) difference things will get better
0: i mean it does sound like a good world to play adventure mode in.
2: Yes, I bet you it would be. But, well, you know what? I, I did it and I, I set out and then immediately we ran into an undead army and it was like, oh. <laughs> Yikes. Whoopsie doopsie. <laughs> oh, they're fast, the undead armies. Oh, golly. Um, oh, golly. So i would be interested to get your guys' perspectives on it because it seems like kind of, an, kind of a, a whoopsie doops world.
0: Yeah, Um, I still have to play your world because I am very interested, especially in using it for adventure modes because, you know, that's a lot of chaos and uh, stuff happening. and It works great for adventure mode, but I haven't really played that much in the last week, but um, I I only played for a a presentation. I actually did a presentation uh, about uh, Dwarf Fortress, and uh, that's the
1: spirit. That's cool. Yeah, tell us more.
0: I wouldn't say it was good, but <laughs> I um, tried to to influence some people in my class uh, about uh, Dwarf Fortress, and of course. I um also dropped the slight hint of uh, me doing this podcast. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think they got the hint, but my teacher did, so it's uh, all all good.
1: That's cool. So so yeah, did you just give a, a presentation about you know just how dwarf fortress works or oh, tell, no. us, tell us tell more about your presentation.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. Um It was more of a general presentation, so nothing really that specific, not like, oh, yeah, you can see this, you can see that. I only had uh, eight minutes, so I couldn't just dive into the working mechanisms or uh, show a creature text. I would have loved to do that, especially since I did some um, raw changes and stuff myself. Um, but I mostly talked about, well, this game is super old and super fancy, and it looks like shit, um, but <laughs> I love it. And then I showed them screenshots from my own games. I showed them a few small videos of the game where stuff is just moving around and uh, one of them was actually me uh, having. Um, oh my god, my my brain! Uh, come on, um, I had. What's it called? Drinks? No, Drinks. I did. Um, <laughs> well, that Jesus explains Christ. it. I'm I'm having a siege.
1: Having, yeah, uh... I had
0: a siege, and I I I saved it onto a video. I recorded it! Okay. (laughs) Okay. okay. So I had a siege and I was able to record that siege and then um, uh, played it to them in a fast-forward mode so they could actually see the whole siege playing out from the point where the goblins raided my map to the point where the goblins got into my ford And I had to um, send out my last remaining uh, security last resort squads. And they saw a lot of blood. And I didn't really explain a lot of the stuff that was going on because uh, there's a lot going on. You know, I was just, oh, you see this? This is a tooth flying through the air. Or you see this? (laughs) This is a cat getting stabbed to death. And, and everybody was really horrified. And my, my teacher was like, oh, this is, this is very violent. awful, yeah. And it's I have two questions
1: for you about this, Roland. Mm-hmm. One, was it Vanilla Door Fortress? Or did you use yes. a tile set? No.
0: I mean, I had some screenshots, uh, older screenshots I did from my own fortresses that right. had a tile set in it. But because I wanted to shock them, I <laughs> made a lot without them, and the whole Goblin Siege had no tile set. And wow! And they were like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, that, this stuff is going on. Uh, stuff is it's the Matrix. Yeah."
1: I don't even see the code anymore. <laughs> I just see Goblin mm-hmm. Forgotten Beast. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> Um, I know that
2: one-fourth is Roots. <laughs> I managed to, I think I've managed to get somebody into it now. Um, somebody that I thought would be totally into it. I think he's very calmly and patiently playing through the the PE starter, you know, that Paradexis. I really mm-hmm. don't even want to try to say the name. Um, <laughs> the PE, like, intro walkthrough, the door Fortress walkthrough, which I think is the best, probably most, it's like the clearest step-by-step here's how this works and here's how this fits together with this, like building blocks onto how to get into the game. Is that a uh, video? No, it's just, it's, it's text. It's yeah, what we've you talked call about it. Before, Old yeah. school. We have. Yeah. And I am supporting that again. Cause I think it's a really, really good way to get people into it.
1: Uh, I gotta say, I really like the dwarf fortress wiki's uh, quick start on their, uh, on their page. So for, uh, for, for, having someone learn how to play it for the first time. I think it yeah. does a really good job.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do well with text. Sometimes videos don't
1: Oh, yeah. The Dwarf Fortress Wiki one is text as well.
2: I'm not so good at clicking like and subscribe or whatever listening to all that. I'm just like, get to the and point! Don't forget
1: to ring the bell. That's right. Smash that like button, guys. Uh, well, I hope that you got a good grade on your presentation. <laughs>
0: nah, probably not, uh, but fine. I, I have the chance to talk about something that I like and that is all the good grade I need.
1: I mentioned last time that it had been a while since Tody had presented an update and in that period of time since our last episode he has released two. It wasn't like I thought it would be. It wasn't immediately after our episode but on November 1st they released a dev notes on bay12games.com and it looks like November 5th they released some notes on Steam which is you know totally different content than what was released on bay 12 Games. so actually I like that they're not they're not copying it so I have more Yeah
2: they're not cribbing it
1: that's yeah. cool more stuff to so read So what are they telling us on bay12 that they're not Bay12 it's Steam uh, pictures of stockpiles and uh, talking about the fact that you can filter your stockpiles now. And there's uh, basically lots of images on there of things like all of the different kinds of armor. Uh, it's uh, just displaying a example of the user interface. It looks much um, it's cleaner.
0: Yeah. I do want to remind you that you can Uh, sort stockpiles right now, but the important part here is that you now can paint stockpiles, um, which means that you don't have to make a square at any Ah, sort. You can just go around a pillar, or you can make an L-shaped thingy-bob stockpile. Uh, And that is super, super cool, because imagine the possibilities of that you you can now use every space uh in your fortress without like colliding into walls and stuff it's it's really cool
1: yeah i still did i still do that but the way i do it is by making you know if i've got a you know a diagonal sorry a a room that is rotated uh 45 degrees where it's a diamond shape instead of a square That would be like a worst case scenario for trying to create a stockpile with a square, but uh, um, I will instead of just one stockpile, I will have you know twelve stockpiles, (laughs) twelve different stone stockpiles in the same room. But it it pretty much ends up being the same thing. But yeah,
2: yeah, I feel as though we don't get a lot of support for circular rooms in the game, so you end up kind of having to do some real weird stuff to. Like, if you want to have your in be a round room, you've got to do some funny, funny business.
1: I don't remember if it's a Reddit post or if it's in the wiki, but there is a guide to making circles in Dwarf Fortress that tells you how many uh, for a a particular diameter circle. It shows you the best way to, to do it. It's pretty cool.
2: Okay, that's cool. Yeah, because I always worry if I do like this plus this plus this plus this, then it creates four zones and now my CPU is going to get bogged down trying to track four stockpiles or four...
1: Oh, that's still a thing.
2: ...disparate zoned areas. Yeah, I'm like, that's yeah. kind of a bummer. I hadn't thought about that. You know, the other optimization thing that I really, really want is um, I really want to see not having to do bedrooms, not having to map out bedroom every time, like to flag every single room with a bed... In a door as a bedroom, I would love it if that just kind of you know as a thing instead of having to do you, do you see what I'm saying like I don't want to have do. to go yeah, in and toggle every single room if I'm building forty six bedrooms it's just like come on
1: well as we're going to see here in a moment whenever i uh whenever I do the dramatic reading of the mission statement um, uh three toe actually mentions about the length of time that it takes to create bedrooms so he doesn't go into any details but uh, uh it's possible that that concern is going to be addressed with the Steam. That release. would be pretty cool. So then he that was the the Bay 12 games dev notes itself. And then if we look at the Steam notes that Cleanodev posted in Reddit, there is other information that's on the steampowered.com. Uh, sorry, yeah, steampowered.com. Okay, yeah. So the, so the post title on Steam is Glass, Stone, Bridges, and or Blood. And in this, he uh, he is going over the some more of the basic drawing, uh, the basic user interface look and feel. Not so much uh, the details that he went into on the Bay Twelve games, but I found something out in this that I didn't realize. He's making glass tables. Can you use glass as a construction material for making things like tables?
0: Um. Yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty, okay, I'm a 100% sure you can make statues, armor stands, and weapon rags. And so I'd say, yeah, I think you can make glass tables, yeah.
1: Well, he certainly did. I didn't know if that was something that was new, but so, yeah, I didn't know that. Apparently, of course, I guess it could also be that I have maybe made one glass-producing uh, set up in any of my fortresses, they don't typically last such that my fortress gets that mature.
2: uh Yeah, you've had some some challenges. Yeah, I I'm not so good with glass, clear glass, because that's the one that needs the potash, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yep.
2: That one's kind of that one kind of does me. Or
1: is that crystal glass that needs the potash? Wow. There's green. No, clear, no, 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 crystal. no. no, no. The,
0: the the clear glass is the potash consuming thing. Yeah.
1: Then how do you make crystal glass? Um you
0: you need rock crystals for that shit.
1: Uh, ah, to to add the uh yeah, the, the the stone component to it to make it you know sing when you clink it. I don't even know what the difference between real life crystal glass and plain glass is. You
2: know. Potash.
1: <laughs> <It just laughs> Minerals, potash, yeah. Rock in the rock in the glass. But so there's uh so yeah, two announcements. That uh, or sorry, two updates that came out on Bay Twelve Games and Steam, and let's see, we also had the November Future of the Fortress and and uh Bay Twelve Games updates. The report to start November. So I think that I will at this time do my monthly uh, dramatic reading of Three Toes Mission Status. Unless uh, one of you would prefer to do it.
2: Go for it. I don't. I wouldn't want to disappoint.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Colossal is the gravity pulling all conceivable factors into place. That they circle the center, the glowing orb of success and playability that is the foundation of things to come. For instance, with the mouse, it is now possible to stock your piles. With only a few flicks of the mouse, it is now possible to organize your goods and equipment which before would have taken a confusing trip through a maze of tangled menus. The next target will be placing buildings and displaying varied furniture types and traps. Lo, I have tested what we have now, and it is good. I dug out the ubiquitous nest of dwarven bedrooms in less time than it would take to designate a single meeting room in the classic version. I also managed to flood the whole thing with an aquifer. It looked awesome and is only being improved over time. Solid greatness awaits. Congratulations to the generous toe. There we go. Very cool. So yeah, it sounds like uh I don't know if it is exactly what you imagine, but something is going to be done to make making bedrooms uh quicker. At least digging them out will be quicker. Designating them, you know. Uh what was the exact words? I dug out the nest of dwarven bedrooms. Okay. So he didn't say that he, he, uh, designated them. He just dug them out. So, so yeah, yeah, it would be nice to be able to, to put one block of selection over the 400 bedrooms that you have just dug and make them all individual bedrooms, like one bedroom per bed. As long as you put the, the, the cabinets and, and, uh, and containers within a certain number of squares from the bed, they will automatically get included with that bed as that bedroom. I like it.
0: But I mean, there are problems with that because if you automatically put, okay, see the thing is if every room where a bed is in automatically becomes a bedroom, then what about the hospital?
1: Well, I would say I would say that you would have to uh, select the area that you want to turn into a mass bedroom. So, yeah, I it think wouldn't would maybe the radically. hospital
2: zoning would override it. You know how you, you have mm-hmm. to designate it as a hospital zone. So, maybe that overrides it.
1: Oh, well, there you, you go. go. Turn it into a bedroom zone.
2: You know, yeah. add a bedroom oh, zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Like everything in this area is a bedroom. So, they can just go nuts and claim them and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool. it. I think that's the answer a bedroom zone yeah that's all we need another zone <laughs> <laughs> one more zone to manage right
2: Pit or pen you know I'll tell you something um one one way I've been solving it is I've been using um, FastDorf in DF hack I don't teleport with it but I do have them move faster I just like come on guys let's get your skates on um, and that to me has made it a little bit I don't know more enjoyable when I'm trying to dig out a big thing as I can have it go all fast dwarf, it's quick and nice.
1: I have never heard of this fast dwarf you speak of. Please yeah, tell so me more. Yes, if you
2: do in your DF hack window, just type in um, fast dwarf space one space zero, and if you do one one, then they teleport. And I don't like that very much. The teleport, I think, breaks things. You don't really need it, but um. But the fast dwarf, just, it's basically like they just move faster. So it's kind of, you know, if you start having frame rate problems, that's one way you can kind of sort it out and keep the game playable for a little longer.
1: Mm. So does time itself speed up, or is it just that the dwarves speed up in the given time that they have? Like, like are they actually going instead of one tile per uh, clock click, they start going like two tiles per clock click or something yeah. like that? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. You, you don't just... speed up the time itself, but... Um... I think the code works that way that uh there is a speed in the game, uh so the game knows how fast something is, and I think it just cranks it up like a lot um because only dwarfs are affected or everything is affected. You can vary in that
1: cool so it's so it is indeed a cheat, hmm yes, okay. Not that anybody's keeping track of of you know your games. We don't have the centralized Dwarf Fortress world server <laughs> that are you know that you can hack into and try to to game the system and make your fortress be the one that has the super special artifacts.
2: Yeah. No, nothing of the sort.
1: Microtransactions. I...
2: <laughs> no, I'll tell you. I like it just because when I'm trying to, I used it in my in my crazy world because sometimes trying to get the walls built before the first siege comes is just unbelievable you know like i've got you've got you know maybe a month before the first undead siege comes so there's no time to spare like it's instant you're doomed uh if you don't get it right so that one is a good is good
1: yeah that's that's the
2: only way i can win (laughs) Or, or not
1: I had another fortress fall miserably.
2: Do tell. Those are fun. uh,
1: Yeah, I I did the classic, uh, you know, and I could swear that I had tested it, but I had a fortress that was going really well, and apparently I forgot to hook up my lever to my bridge. Oh, So when the goblin attack came, uh, they were, you know, inside the fortress in no time at all. So I basically sat my and watched my dwarves get slaughtered i did though i did get um uh archers working i got them trained i got them uh to pick up bolts and they were actually shooting at the the goblins and trolls that were invading the fortress as the goblins and fortress uh, the goblins and trolls were invading the fortress but they weren't very successful because all they had were wooden bolts okay uh, they-
0: hmm. <laughs> yikes
1: but they shot at them. It was wonderful. They did not try to bash them over the head Amazing. with uh, with their crossbows. They actually tried to shoot at them. So,
2: so what was the what was your strategy for getting it to work? What did you change to do that, or was it just happenstance?
1: So, it was it was just that I sat down and went over that instruction set the Byron got us um, uh, a couple months ago, combined with your information that you have to have enough quivers. Yes. In order to to have it work right, so yeah, I set up a a um, stockpile of wooden bolts right by my firing ranges. I set up my my firing range targets, and I set up some uh, archers who their only purpose in life was to be archers. I turned off all of their other um, all of their other uh, uh, jobs, and just set them up to be training as archers and i uh, had a, a squad of, of four of them and they all trained themselves up really nice so it was kind of cool and i also used that strategy so that i wouldn't just you know waste the forest behind my archery targets i i uh channeled out a one z level deep little trench that uh that would catch the missed bolts so so uh, every once in a while I would come back in there and collect the spent arrows and they would go back to the stockpile. That worked really well. That Ooh. sounds cool. Yeah. So he had suggested that you use bone bolts for practice, but um, I didn't have a, a, a meat industry. So I didn't have uh, a, a good supply of, of, of good, useful bones. Um, but the, it seemed like that the wooden bolts did just fine. Made them at a, I think a craft store shop.
2: So I heard the wooden bolts just like that, that they don't, they don't have the ability to get through armor and stuff. They just splinter. That's right.
1: That's why my guys, you know, only got off about 10 shots each before they were pounded over the head by a troll, (laughs) but they did try. (laughs) So I think that I had like, I had bought from a caravan, some, some real bolts, but I'm not sure that they ever went and picked them up because I think that they were stupid enough such that whenever it came time to actually fight, they still tried to use their wooden bolts. Everything happened so fast that I'm really not sure exactly what happened because I went from having uh, almost 100 dwarves in my fortress down to having like five in a surprisingly short amount of time. Hmm. Hmm. So, and at sad. that point, I just started following a child dwarf as he ran through the fortress and evaded the, the, the siege for a little while. But eventually my strength was broken. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. If I did have a wish, it would be that Dwarf Fortress had some closure screen like in other roguelikes. Whenever you die, you can see what stuff you were carrying, you can see what your how much money you had, you can see what your points were. With Dwarf Fortress, when that last dwarf goes, it's done. The screen disappears, you have no way to see um uh see immediately at least uh you know how big your fortress got how much wealth it had provided it would be nice to be able to see the last Z layer screen right after or sorry the last uh you know Command Z where yeah. you bring up your 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 stocks. Uh-huh. It'd be nice to be able to see that immediately after dying. Okay. At least have the option for it.
0: But um I know this is far fetched, but that's why I like Vampires, you wall them in, and your fortress can never crumble. Who? Big brain time. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. You
2: always survive because yeah. you've got one person who's not gonna die. But what yeah. are you gonna do? I guess if I mean,
1: golly, give him a pick so that he can dig himself out and and do Harry Carry while uh while uh, you know whenever you're done. Well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is a possibility, or just I don't know, make dinner and come back to a migrant wave. So, but wouldn't more... the
2: migrant wave get eaten by whatever's killed the fortress?
0: Um, well, kind of depends it on what your fortress has died from. If it's demons, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but if it's goblins, so there is the chance that the goblins leave. Uh, if it's undead then well then they're, they're not going to leave probably but
1: i get it though yeah yeah i get it that's at least it's not at least there's a chance that something positive might be able to come out of it yeah huh, that's an interesting thing and then and then you've if you've got your migrants well they'll probably have a mess to clean up first thing that's going to put them in a bad mood but <laughs>
0: That is uh, true, especially if they have to walk through a minefield of dead bodies, and then they have to clean it up afterwards, and they are in the rain. Um, uh, talking about bad mood, I, I'm not sure if that's uh, a, a good uh, thing to start right now, but sure. have you heard about the memory core bubble theory?
1: No. Please, please elaborate. Um,
0: So the general thought is that a dwarf has memories and core memories. And the difference is that a memory only stays so long in the dwarf's mind, can maybe uh, come into his mind at a later point, but at some point it will be deleted and overwritten by other things. But yeah, then yeah. there are core memories which cannot be overwritten, and you have only a few of them. I think the number was six. That there, there is a guy on the subreddit, and the he tried to prove it. And yeah, that's what I was
1: looking for. I was looking for that right now because yeah, I I, I know that post. It was, it was mm-hmm. I think the something called something like Dwarven Science mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with hmm post name. Yeah, but but go ahead, go ahead, and please uh
0: so when a dwarf arrives even if the dwarf is a bit older had a life outside your fortress the moment he reaches your map goes onto your map the core memory stuff is activated before he didn't really have memories and only the moment he steps onto your map the whole memory thing becomes active so the first few things become core memories the first few things that he sees are more likely to become core memories simply because he doesn't have any yet so the system tries to fill them up with information that he gathers uh sadly it is very likely that the first things he will experience are like dead bodies rain, cold, or not being able to sleep in a proper bed or whatever, like negative things. So he's very likely to experience bad things, and those bad things will become a core memory. And then this dwarf is basically ruined. Because a core memory can be memorized over... His entire life. I don't think a core memory has any like date of.
1: No expiration date, yeah.
0: Yeah, expiration date, thank you. So, if you have bad luck, then this dwarf will remember seeing corpses over and over and over again. And (laughs) it's really hard to get rid of core memories, but it seems to be possible. It seems to be possible that they can be overwritten by feelings or emotions that are strong enough and um, only after a certain time. So a very newly acquired core memory will not be able to overwritten no matter what. But a older core memory has the potential to be overwritten by something else, something that is equally strong or stronger in the emotional potential. Wow. Uh, so um,
2: so you'd have to have core positive events in order yes. to undo yes. some of the damage. Do we know what core positive events are?
0: Well, all positive things and all negative things seem to be able to become core memories. So I'm not sure if seeing a stature is enough, but... I, I haven't seen it as a core memory yet, so be because they don't seem to be able to remember that a lot. But uh seeing corpses is definitely one. Um <laughs> and that's that's a negative, I'm sorry. But they don't like um, that. getting a child seems to be a very positive core memory for some dwarfs. Uh, being getting married or having a spouse is a core memory, a positive one. Uh, creating a masterwork is one, and I also seen equipping masterful stuff, like, not even military-related, just masterful shirts seems to be able to uh become a core memory.
1: Okay, so the name of the, the actual thread on Reddit is, Science Experiments with Memories, Stress and Happiness, an Application of the Blank Slate Hypothesis. Mm-hmm. So...
2: Goodness, yeah, and it's
1: a really good read. It's long, it's detailed. Some
2: kind of detail.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Salford Sal put the oh. work in on that. So is a pretty amazing post and very, very interesting. And and honestly, yeah, after I read that, uh, this was uh, probably a, a month or so ago. After I read that, it did change the way I was thinking about what my dwarves were experiencing. And, uh, and I don't know that it made any difference in how I was able to deal with it but it it did make me it almost made me want to to have a particular dwarf experience more things immediately after doing so, having something bad happen like, uh-huh. you know to get caught out in the rain so then you go to an amazing dining room and have it, have a meal right mhm
2: uh-huh. yeah.
1: yeah it's very interesting the uh you know it it also shows how kind of a a fairly simple game mechanic can have such profound effect on the gameplay long term mm-hmm. because this this mechanic doesn't sound like it would have been that hard to implement. Uh, at least you know coming up with the memories and actually having the dwarves experience the events probably uh, had some complexity to it. But the the algorithm for for making memories long term looks like uh, was was pretty straightforward. But it it certainly has a long-term effect on on the game it can cause a a you know a tantrum spiral in your fortress and you know it'll be over with
0: yeah and i okay i've heard a lot of people especially at the start of the whole uh, update a lot of people mentioned how broken the stress system is and while the s many of the uh, positive modifiers weren't really working the way they should. You know, I I think it is a good system, because if you have a positive things, you have positive reinforcement, and your fortress just spirals upwards, and there's no stopping it. There's still some things that are completely broken, but still, you know, it works. On the other hand, if your fortress is spiding downwards, then it goes faster and faster. Um, I was still able to, to um, come back from one, but I had to shut my, my doors, basically, to the outside world. It was really hard. I lost some dwarves to depression, etc. But I think as soon as the modifiers are cleared up and we, we get less extreme dwarves, then this is a good system. I like it.
1: Yeah. I, I've not had as much problems with version 47 for the the mood of my dwarves as I did with version 44. It seems that some improvement has been made. Yeah. Although yeah. I don't think yeah. that he has, he has defined what those improvements may have been.
2: Yeah. I haven't really had the tantrum spiral since 47. It's been, I, I wouldn't say relatively smooth sailing because I've had a lot of other problems, but the tantrum spirals, that's not that's not a that's not still a thing that i'm struggling with
1: oh and that reminds me we had talked uh, last episode about how we hadn't run across very many uh werebeasts i've yeah. had like five show up since then so oh, yeah geez. it was just it was just dumb luck jeez <laughs> Okay. One of yeah, them, oh, it was great. Well. One of them was uh the werebeast was actually one of the caravan guards and yeah. as it was leaving it mm. turned. So as the I'm... caravan starting to leave my fortress, all of the uh, there was all kinds of, you know, mayhem going on just outside the fortress walls. So there none of my dwarves actually got involved in it. Oh. But but the uh but the the caravan guards killed their cohort almost immediately. So it was great. Mm.
0: Interesting. Well,
2: that's not uplifting, but uh, hey, I guess it happened.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. But the fact that even the car- uh, caravan guards are not safe from that yeah, is that's- so amazing. You know, they're not just spawned in NPCs, like random blank pieces. They are still people with actual history because, you know, you, you can't just... Be infected,
1: like <sighs> blows my mind. Yeah, well, you know, it actually—it's possible that it could be, but it's yeah, it's nice to think that there was a history there for it. You know, you could say that any particular NPC in the game has a point zero zero one percent chance of becoming a, a werebeast beast, but uh, but yeah, we'll just pretend that's not so. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
2: all right, we are at the top of the hour.
1: Yeah, so we are going to clock. we are going to take our uh, winter hiatus after this episode. So we're going to be gone until uh, the beginning of the new year. So we've got another uh, great season of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable coming up, and but we're going to take the uh, the last month and a half or so of 2020 off. And we're going to look forward to a wonderful year in 2021 that is full of rainbows and streets lined with gold.
2: <laughs> and we are thinking that we uh, may do some mini one-offs as well,
1: right? You're thinking here. about doing some, yeah, some videos. Yeah,
2: yeah, fun little
0: things so, to keep. I need to
1: get the rest of that uh, of that uh, adventure mode <laughs> yeah. video edited as well totally.
0: Or YouTube content for you guys. Actual YouTube content. Imagine this. <laughs> Mind <My>
2: blown, <laughs> yeah. man. So, I think it would be great to demo this this crazy world that I keep talking up and just yes. see how we do collectively.
0: Yes. So that
2: All could right. be a thing.
1: So Golly yeah, work, so that, fun we'll have! And I will. Uh, we we'll, Do you want to do that as a live stream or, or record it and then post it? Um. Sure. <laughs> we'll decide that later. We'll decide that later. That sounds um, amazing. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um,
0: well, I think it is actually safe to say that um, I want to wish you a very merry Christmas. And uh, a happy new year. This is so surreal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I en- enjoyed this year in the podcast.
1: In the podcast. Yes, <laughs> in the podcast. I was say, it was
2: a little rough <laughs> the year for a lot of stuff going on.
1: I really enjoyed the political upheaval and the pandemic. <laughs> it's been great.
2: <laughs> it's been a hoot seeing what's going to happen next.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's like I always read these post-apocalyptic novels and it's great. My bucket list item has been filled. I'm actually living one. Awesome.
0: Yeah, you see, Warhammer 40k fan fiction doesn't seem so absurd now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, everybody um, we'll be back at the beginning of 2021, assuming that no one unleashes the demons and our fortress uh, doesn't get taken out. Mm. Uh, But, uh, if that doesn't happen, we'll be back early 2021 and we'll talk more Dwarf Fortress. Good and times. we'd like to thank everybody for listening because it is so much fun, uh, you know, just sitting around talking about it every couple weeks. Here, here. glad that people were listening. Rock yes, and roll. Indeed. All right. Well, until next time, this is Dwarf Fortress Roundtable and we'll catch you later. Keep playing games. Peace out, guys. See bye you. Bye-bye. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com dfroundtable. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.io.